So what are the foundations of irrational thinking? Find out on this episode of Incremental Health Tips. Welcome to Incremental Health Tips. My name is Jared, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Liz. Now, in previous episodes, we've talked about cognitive distortions, and we've also talked about irrational thinking and the importance of recognizing and challenging irrational thoughts. The thing is, I find that it is sometimes hard to remember all of the cognitive distortions. There are just, there are so many of them, and a lot of them overlap. So today we're going to be talking about Ellis's four foundations of irrational thinking. Now, this is not as popular of a model as, uh, say, the work of Burns. And uh, Liz, I, I believe this is actually newer to you. You're more, you studied more Burns. But Ellis was actually covered alongside Burns uh, when I was in graduate school. And I think it's a really helpful way because there's only four foundations, so it's significantly easier to remember, uh, and uh, which can be remembering is a really important part of identifying. So let's get right into it. So the first foundation of irrational thinking is absolute thinking. So while there are some absolutes in life, certainly, uh, not everything is an absolute. Not everything is going to be a straightforward black or white answer. What are some ways you've seen this cognitive distortion play out? So one of the really common things that I've seen is clients will have an attitude that if I'm not the best at something, then I'm not good enough or it's not worth doing. And it's a really uh, self-defeating way of thinking about things because only one person is the best at something. And if someone's the second best at something, then they're still really good at it. So I think instead of focusing on trying to be the best, it's better to help shift clients towards thinking about you know, whether or not they have a competence and if they're good at what they do. And that can be hard to evaluate, but helping them focus more on being good enough instead of trying to be the best or be perfect, it can really uh, improve someone's mental health. Well, ultimately, it's important to consider alternatives. Uh, uh, one example that readily comes to mind for me is the thought of failure. A lot of people would say, well, failure is a bad thing, but it, but actually failure is quite good in that we learn a lot from failure. And so if we're down on ourselves or depressed because we failed, and that's all we're focused on is uh, outcomes are either good or bad and failure is bad, so therefore there's nothing good in this, then we really miss out on so much opportunity to learn and to grow and develop ourselves. That's true. So moving on to the second foundation of irrational thinking is to catastrophize. So catastrophizing is exaggerating the negative consequences of an event. So going back to our example of failure, let's say if you have a really big exam at school and you know 
that if you don't do well on this exam, then your final grade may be impacted. And so you might think it's the end of your academic pursuits if you fail this test or bomb this test. But really, the actual consequences of you not doing as well may not be as bad as you had anticipated. Uh, so have you seen this play out at all with your clients? Yeah, I find a lot of times the catastrophizing ends up causing avoidance behaviors. So someone will think, oh, I won't do well at a job interview. And so they don't end up going to the job interview. Or, you know, if I apply to jobs, I'm not going to get a job anyways. So they don't even apply anymore. So it can have a lot of impact in terms of someone just avoiding something that they want to do because they just feel like it's not going to work out anyways without trying. I also find that anxiety is very highly related to this. Uh, you know, the the anxiety or the, the feeling of impending doom. Uh, yeah, definitely a lot of anxiety. So with the third foundation, this one I think we're going to have to unpack a little bit. But the third foundation for irrational thinking is possessing a low tolerance for frustration. Now, of course, none of us like to be frustrated, but what this particularly means is we, as humans, like things to be easy and we like to be comfortable. Um, but unfortunately, many, many aspects in life are, are not easy and are not comfortable. So while we would prefer for things to be easy for us and we would prefer to be comfortable, our ability to manage when things are not is what we are talking about here. So our ability to deal with adversity. So have you ever seen this play out in your practice, Liz? I think this one is really common. People can feel like, oh, disagreeing with someone is a sign that there's a problem, but sometimes disagreement is just a part of life, and our ability to anticipate disagreement or, you know, just unpleasant things in life, it really can be helpful to anticipate it and then just accept that it's part of life and deal with it instead of trying to just avoid it and you know it avoiding it doesn't help and yeah well i think a big part of this um like if you if you have ever watched american idol or any of those types of talent shows and you always have uh somebody who comes on who is just very bad at whatever it is they're doing and it's as if nobody ever told them, you know, maybe you're not the best singer or, you know, maybe you're trying to be a comedian, but, you know, your your jokes really could use some work. I mean, there's some avoidance connected to that as well. But I also think that that low frustration tolerance really plays a role here, because if you are trying to win a contest for talent, you should want to seek out feedback, which can be uncomfortable, which is not an easy thing to do, but the feedback is ultimately going to help you make refinements and, and you know, maybe seek out a vocal coach 
or uh, you know refine the writing of your your comedy and your jokes. Uh, so this is a really important thing. Yeah, and in my profession, I get feedback from my supervisor, and I have to consider that feedback and think about how I can improve. And a lot of people, they don't get that in their life, or they don't get it when they're growing up. And so, when they get some negative feedback, they they can become really overly stressed over it. When really they should just say, "Oh, okay," and just try to make an adaptation instead of. You know getting so upset over it well and and as well I think that there's a bit of catastrophizing that happens where if I get feedback then I'm just going to get eaten alive and you know I I, I remember uh, in my undergraduate degree there was a professor that I did some work for and in one of his classes I just didn't have time to study uh, for one of the exams because I had other classes that were more demanding and so I just completely neglected studying for this test. And uh, we, I took the test and I didn't do very well. And the professor, the next time I, I saw him in his office, he, he pulled me aside and said, you really sucked at that exam. <laughs> and he gave me this feedback and it was very embarrassing. It was very uncomfortable, but... But ultimately, he was giving, he was being honest with me as to tell, as to ask what's going on. And as I started to talk to him about it, he was giving me feedback because he's the busiest person on planet Earth. He was able to actually give me a little bit of feedback in terms of how I can better manage things, and it was ultimately helpful, although not painless. So it is, it is important to consider that. Uh, we'll move on to the final. Uh, foundation of irrational thinking, and that is global evaluations of human worth. So this is the belief that some people are more or inherently more valuable than others. So if you think about this, uh, you know, a lot of problems in society really stem from this type of irrational thinking, such as like if you think of race, racism or discrimination, this is really the root of it, is people generalize. It, have you ever seen this sort of thing? Maybe not racism, but global evaluations of, of human worth. Have you ever seen that in your practice? Well, one of the things that I think is most common socially is... Um, a negative evaluation of men where, you know, women will think, oh, men are pigs, they're just rapists. And the reality is the number of men who are actually like that are a very small percentage of men. And most men are just nice, decent guys who just want to be treated with some respect. Well, as, as well, um, my my graduate studies, I was looking at moral foundations theory a lot, and there's a tendency when people have different points of view in terms of how they view morality, we sort of demonize somebody who might have different priorities than us. Like one example is, and, and this is a topic I'd like to, to cover in, in a future episode, but somebody who's religious might be higher on the idea of moral sanctity 
so the idea of sanctity. But whereas somebody who is not religious wouldn't prioritize that as much. And so it would be very easy for a religious person to then cast judgment on the person who doesn't prioritize the same things morally. And so by making global evaluations of, oh, people of this persuasion or this belief, uh, they're just not as valuable or they just don't have as much to say or their input is not is in, in somehow in some way worth less. It really discounts a lot of really great ideas that these people may bring to the discussion. Yep. Well, that's all the time we have for today. But if you enjoy our content, please consider liking, commenting, sharing, and subscribing. We upload new episodes every Tuesday at 11 p.m. And until next time, remember that small steps can lead to big changes. We'll see you next time.